Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Travel and Shit, your new favorite travel podcast. Where I, your host, D. Carrie, have more of an experiential conversation based on travel as opposed to it being strictly destination based. So, this week, I would like to appeal to you good folks and ask to just leave a review. If you fuck with the podcast, whatever platform that you listen to it on, whether it be iTunes, um, SoundCloud, Spotify, just leave a review. Uh, five stars if you're feeling frisky. And it gives the people that don't know about the podcast um, a way to um, find me. More ratings higher it goes up and the more people are able to find it. Rocket science, right? So this week I am going to get into a um, little backstory. I was talking with a coworker of mine and we were getting into how we were able to tell that we were, I don't wanna say improving, but we saw growth in ourselves um, in a lot of different levels of personal life where we were able to directly attribute that growth to travel. So it was something as simple as being aware of the customer service aspect of our jobs. And we're like, well, duh, I can see where I've been in X, Y, and Z situation, or I've been abroad here. And I was the person that was lost and looking for directions. Or I was the girl that had a really simple question, but it was having a really difficult time saying it in um, the language of the people, uh, in the language that was spoken by the people that I was around. So that's the gist of this week's episode, and I'm going to dive right into it. First and foremost, the one trait that I personally know that I have gotten so much better with through travel has been patience. I don't think that, well, I don't know if patience is something that is natural to anybody, um, but God bless those of you who who are naturally patient, but um, the kid ain't, I'm not at all. But through travels, I've had to learn to tap into that area of myself that is generally lacking. And I would absolutely say that I'm tested the motherfucking most at the airport. Yo, we all know that um, the the people we sit on these planes with, for some reason, I'm certain that many of them are learned. And they are doctors and lawyers and teachers and people that do things that help shape the world. But... I don't know if they're part of this demographic, but so many fucking people stand up around the the gate. It's not your turn. They ain't call your section. Sit the fuck down. I, for the life of me, do not understand why, as, a, as an American culture, we hate waiting. We don't enjoy it. So I don't understand why people are putting themselves on lines that they don't need to be on. I, I can't make sense of it, so I... Don't, right? Like one of the things that I learned working retail is you can't fix stupid. If it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. Like it's not you. You can't make things smarter if that makes sense. Like if it's flawed, it's flawed. That being said, sit down. Don't be that person. There's no reason 
for you to, you know, sit at, uh, not sit, you should be sitting. There's no reason for you to um, stand at the gate if you're group D and they're boarding first class. You got time, sis. Move the fuck out of everybody else's way. You're standing there and you're laughing and you're talking or you're minding your business on your phone or whatever, but now somebody that's in group A or group B or whatever group they're up to boarding doesn't know whether or not you're actually supposed to be here and I should wait behind you because fucking courtesy. Or if you're just, you know, from group D or group, you know, C and we're up to A and B and you're just taking up space. So now I'm standing behind you and I'm not getting on the plane because I'm not sure what the fuck is going on. And I actually, you know, care about other people. So I'm not going to just jump in in front of people. Um, your, your ticket has a seat on it. At that point, everyone's got something assigned. That's just the way the plane works. You're not going to like not have a seat. It's not first come, first serve. Like that's all handled before we do the boarding. So at this point, if you've made it this far, you have a fucking seat. Move the fuck out the way. When it comes to people saying, oh, well, I'm trying to get on first so I can get overhead space. If people weren't fucking assholes and didn't put backpacks and coats and gloves and, you know, duty free items in the overhead and not do it in a fashion that allows for space for actual luggage, then you wouldn't have to fight for fucking overhead space. There's there's space for everybody. If everybody would make it make sense. I, I don't understand the sheer selfishness of some people where they feel so inclined to put a backpack with nothing in it or a, you know really small pocketbook and a jacket and uh all this other just like personal shit that could go on your person or under the chair in front of you in space that actual suitcases need to be in your bag although inconvenient in front of you is not going to you know ruin lives but Nobody wants to have to gate check a bag because it won't fit on the plane because people are not utilizing the overhead space appropriately. People's bags get lost when you gate check shit. People have connecting flights that they're trying to make in a rush. And so having to wait for a checked bag can really put somebody behind or at a disadvantage. And it just doesn't make sense that you're taking up space for an entire suitcase with a backpack. It doesn't, it, 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 fight me. It, I'm telling you it doesn't because I'm fucking right, it, period. That's just it, right? So the whole process of getting on the plane and then loading up the plane, and then you got those people that clap when the plane lands, why? I don't get it. We're all happy, we don't need to applaud. It, it's, it's unnecessary and it's a little foolish. I. <sighs> Pretend you've been someplace, you know, it just is, they know we're happy. We don't have to clap for them. And then also, why are you standing there in the aisle? Standing in the aisle doesn't make people move any faster. It actually, contrary to what you the fuck think, doesn't help. You're just in the way. If you are in a rush, people standing in the aisle also gets more in the way. I just want to reach up, grab my bag and go. But when I've got people like just hovering over me or when I have people, you know, just physically in the space, 
then there's no way that we can all safely get our bags and move with ease. If you're not helping somebody get their shit, when it's not your time to go, just standing there and just standing, I don't, I don't get it. Again, nobody wants to wait. Nobody wants to, you know, be standing here or be stuck, if you will, but, you know, uh, actually standing is not moving us any faster. So when you see or when you hear the door open or when the people in front of you start moving, cool. That's generally my signal to get the fuck up and start grabbing stuff. I don't understand the point or the purpose in everybody just standing in one massive group. It's not getting anything done. Another thing that's been um, a, a personal growth in my patience or a, um, a tool that has grown my patience exponentially is fucking customs. Customs in everybody's country is a pain in the ass, period. It's just, I, for some reason, can never get service. I can never access Wi-Fi. It's never something that um, just works when I land. Uh, even if I do or should have service in the country that I'm in. For some reason, customs is like no man's land. It's like the dead zone of the airport. I've generally, for the most part, had to just shit time getting any type of reception and signal in airports in general, even when it's supposed to be one of those things that um, doesn't give you an issue. When you've already called your carrier and yes, you're covered, use your phone normally, or as soon as you land, you should be able to just pick up on anybody's, um, you know, whatever carriers are local to the area if you've set up your phone the right way or if you've you know whatever if you're not dependent on having a sim card for the local area for the most part you'd expect that you should have worked even if you are going to be charged for it not always the case that's personally pro tip another reason why i try to um either arrange for transportation prior to my departure or arrival to a destination or I look into just taking the bus and the train when I land. But um, what I like to know is that whether or not I have service, I will be able to uh, navigate where I have to go. It's really hard to do Google Maps, whether in a different country or not, if you don't have service. So um, I like to plan in advance only because that's one of the things that I always have to wait until I kind of settle in to work out. I forever and always have trouble finding Wi-Fi and um, customs is just long as fuck. I'm standing online doing nothing, generally with no service. So that's usually how I entertain myself in the customs line is just trying to connect to some kind of service, whether it be Wi-Fi or whether it be the local carrier. I really try to dig around and just get something working so that by the time I get out, I can either get an Uber or I can contact my host or I can, you know, look at the weather or, you know, find out what kind of local shit I'm going to get into while I'm there. So all that being said, airports, airplanes have always been a test of my patience. And I've got to say that they've absolutely um, strengthened my patience. And that being said, I have also found that I tend to be more patient with uh, people who are lost or people who are, I guess you could say obvious tourists or um, obvious visitors in an area because I know what it feels like to not speak the language of the destination that I'm in or the area that I'm in and have a really simple question, but not 
or to like actually have a hard time expressing what it is you're trying to get out or you know uh, you know a couple of the words in the language and you really just want to say those couple of words but you kind of can't get it out or you're lost um, I have a shit sense of direction so I'm lost quite often so having to ask for direction someplace that's also something that I have been on the, um, I don't wanna say receiving end, but the needing end, if that makes sense. I've been the person that needed help. So I absolutely and have always appreciated people just taking the time to be patient with me while I either try to, um, you know, get out the few words that I know or, you know, go through the translator app and type in what I'm saying and then they actually take the phone and type it back or they speak back into it so that I can get an idea of, um, so that they can speak, so they can communicate with me. So I know that the job that I have has um, a very uh, large portion of what it is that I do is commuter, uh, customer service. So um, that little pitter-patter, pitter-patter is the dog, y'all. Forgive me, but... I'm recording from home and she is not on my lap. She's not co-hosting right now. Um, so I've absolutely learned to be more patient with, I generally am impatient with kids because they don't have any sense. They don't know any better. You know, they're not supposed to, they're kids. They don't know much about life. That being said, it's really adults that I've found that I have to really tap into my patience for because I, we expect adults to know better. We expect adults to know things. We expect adults to be able to solve things on their own. So it's not necessarily the helping people part that annoys me. It's um, when you see that someone isn't new to an area or where they shouldn't be new to a scenario and they're unable to figure it out. That frustrates me. But because I know that not everybody processes everything the same way and you know, you grow up, you mature, you kind of also don't take shit personal and then also you just let certain things roll off your back roll off your chest whatever the fuck they want to roll off on your body but you let it roll off because you realize what's the point in me stressing over somebody else's confusion so i've learned to really be a lot more patient by being in situations where i myself have needed help or being in situations where i was um forced to be patient and knowing that there's something better for me on the other end of being patient. So those little instances where you are rewarded for your patience uh, with a really great vacation or a great view when you leave the airport or you know just a really good time afterwards is or has been a really um, huge factor in how I've been able to personally um, grow my own patience because I wasn't born with it. I didn't come. It, I, that did not come included in this package. That was sold separately. Um, what else do I have on here? Situational awareness. I was actually having this conversation as well with my coworker. Boyfriend and I were watching, um, what's the name of the movie? Um, what is it? No Escape? What's the name of the movie? No Escape. It's got um, Owen Wilson and Pierce Brosnan, I want to say. And yeah, it is a great movie, but it starts off with a bang, but it starts off with him being 
you you can kind of notice it when you notice it in yourself and when you notice the lack of it in other people sometimes it's a little bit easier to notice it when you see it and you can see him being situationally aware he's aware of the shit that's happening around him like little things start to happen and the way the movie is filmed you see that he's being perceptive and he's picking up on the things that's happening around him and then everything kind of collides and it's like all right shit is popping off right now so some of us are fortunate enough to live lives, uh, I don't want to say with little conflict, but with conflict that allows us to be a little bit uh, lax um, with things that are going on around us. Uh, Some people are fortunate enough to live lives where they can rely or trust their level of safety whether it be in their neighborhoods where people that, you know, uh, leave their cars unlocked in their driveways or people that grow up. I don't know where you, my great listeners are located. Um, I know a couple of y'all in a whole bunch of different countries. Some of them I've been really surprised to see. So shout out to y'all foreign listeners, but, um, you can find that people in different areas are comfortable with different levels of personal security, if you will. And, One of the things that I've got to say is I've always grown up knowing that I have to pay attention to what the fuck is going on around me. Not everybody has to. And it's, it's a joy. It's a blessing. Godspeed to you. However, I, as a solo traveler, know that if I'm not paying attention to the things that are going on around me, I can't necessarily rely on someone else to keep me safe. So one of the ways that I'm able to, um, I don't want to say ensure, because you can't really ensure too much of anything, but one of the ways that I'm able to um, pacify myself and pacify my friends and family that may be concerned with me traveling alone is I'm used to paying attention. I'm used to being aware of what the fuck is going on around me. So the same way that people ask, well, how do you feel safe when you travel by yourself? Oh my God, I could never do that. And I'm just like, well, the same sense that you use when you are in a new neighborhood is the same sense that you use when you're in a new country. It's not really um, that different. It's not that complicated, you know? So the way that I carry myself in the States, the way that I carry myself in New York is the same way I do it abroad. Pay attention to what the fuck is going on around you. A lot of things you don't necessarily need verbal cues for. You don't need someone to come up to you and explain to you, hey, there's a coup going on right now. You know, the, the I don't wanna say the natives, but the, um, the locals are at unrest. They're unhappy and they're now trying to overthrow the government. That's what happens in the movie. That's not spoiling anything for you. It's in the absolute, it's in the description. That's what's happening, right? So it's, you don't need someone to verbally detail that to you. You can kind of pick up on it when you see a bunch of people fighting around you, right? So it's kind of the same thing when you're traveling. I've been able to uh, reinforce that in all different types of neighborhoods. Whereas in the United States, where you may listen for certain verbal cues when you listen to the tone in somebody's voice, you listen to um, not necessarily what somebody is saying, but how they're saying it. Those kind of things where a different language or um, a different um, culture is 
speaking about something where different tones may imply different things or different languages have different emphasis on different sounds or, um, you know, volume is just not really something that is going to give you an indication whether or not someone is upset or not. You don't always need those types of verbal cues to let you know some shit is going on. If you're paying attention to what is happening, you're in a better position to um, keep yourself safe. So that's one of the things that I have been able to um, absolutely see that I am pretty fucking good at is because I can't read what's going on. I can't understand what people are saying to me in these different countries, but you get a feel for the energy of the place. Like how are the people in the area, how are the people in the establishment moving? Are they moving like they're nervous? Are they moving like this is something that you get in and get out? Or are they moving like this is something that you're able to leisurely enjoy? You got to pick up on those kinds of things. And when you don't know what people are saying, you rely or you're able to, um, cause like, even if I'm in somebody's neighborhood in Milwaukee, if I'm in Chicago, if I'm in Perkins fucking Georgia, I will understand what you're saying because I speak English, but I don't understand all of your cultural norms. You know what I'm saying? But because I understand what's being said, I'm a lot, I feel as if I'm much more easily able to um, rely on different cues. Whereas when you're traveling abroad, you don't necessarily have language to rely on. So you're able to strengthen those other pieces of your intuition, those other pieces of your um, awareness so that you can continue to move in ways that'll keep you safe. So I've been able to um, really develop my situational awareness by being in different environments that force you to put other measures in place to keep yourself safe. Glad I was able to actually verbalize what it is I was thinking in my head, so yay me. Um, Next on my list is adaptability. This ain't your block. You ain't home no more, you know what I mean? So there are different ways of separating or taking out trash in different countries or in different neighborhoods. I know when we were in Vermont, we were in the middle of fucking nowhere on like 20 acres of woods. So there you can't just throw your trash in a bag and take the trash outside because that's going to attract wild animals. So they are very diligent about composting. They're diligent about separating and rinsing off their recycles, uh, recyclables. They're diligent about making sure that the different wastes are separated. If it's something that can be composted, that goes in one spot. If it's something that is of, um, I guess, natural material or something, that goes in a different spot. So different places really require different levels of um, maintenance and different levels of uh, attention paid to little things. And you're not home. You don't get to decide what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Backtrack that. You can. You can absolutely not do something that you don't want to do. But if you care enough about the uh, people that you are renting from, or if you care enough about the environment of the place that you're in. And in a lot of cases, the safety, because again, you could throw out your trash, you could just leave this shit outside, but that's going to attract wild animals. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm not fighting a bear. So I'm going to do my due diligence to make sure that I'm separating my trash and disposing of it in the ways that the people who absolutely live here every day are saying that it's safe to do. Um, different things like, uh, different outlets, you know what I mean? Like you end up going to another country and I don't care how much you want to 
plug in your computer to the wall outlet. If the bitch don't fit, it doesn't fit. So you have to bring an adapter. You have to go buy something so that you can convert the um, the wattage of the appliance that you're trying to plug in. Stupid stuff like that, right? You have to be able to um, change your plans or change the way you normally do things. Not always at like the drop of a dime or a short notice. Because a lot of these things you know before you get there if you have the sense to look into it. But um, some things like... Um, Wi-Fi, for example, isn't available in every local, well, not Wi-Fi. Um, well, yeah, Wi-Fi. If you go to Cuba, there's no cell service. Wi-Fi is limited to specific areas. Like you go to the park and there you can access Wi-Fi, but you can't just log on to Wi-Fi like it's for free. You actually have to pay for uh, an access card. You get the little code and the numbers and you go through all the steps and you log in and all the other kind of shit. So you learn to adapt and comply with whatever the norm is in that area when you are looking to, um, I guess, take benefit of or use something that is handled differently than what you're used to. So you can't necessarily just do everything the way that you want to do it because that may not be an option available to you. And a lot of these things you don't always know about in advance so you have to have a level of being able to be um, flexible and really just go with the flow of things so you don't necessarily well you can but it doesn't uh, benefit you to always be really rigid in a lot of situations sometimes things get canceled whether it be because of weather, lack of participation, uh, lack of availability, plenty of different reasons why an excursion or um, an accommodation or something that you book may get canceled. I know that when I was in Vegas, I had a lot of shit that I had planned to do. I had a hot air balloon that was booked. I had a really small, um, like what do you call it? Like one of those small group trips to the Grand Canyon booked and both canceled. So I was really bummed about the hot air balloon, but you know, safety first, right? So, okay, can't do that. What is something else I want to do? You figure it out. You look at the internet, you look at pamphlets, you look at flyers, just don't always take the first no as the end all be all no. A lot of times there are other options that you can come up with. You just really got to do the, uh, the works to figure it out. I know that when the small group tour to the Grand Canyon got canceled. I had um, actually gone to, I was supposed to be in Vegas solo, but I hit it off with my host in LA. And so we ended up uh, taking the trip together to Vegas. So he was just like, all right, well, rent a car. I'll drive you. Adaptability. Just because one thing goes wrong doesn't mean all your plans or um, all, all bets are off. There are different ways that you can work through, uh, what's the word I should say? Uh, you can work through the different challenges if you just take a beat and think about it. So the renting the car and driving out there absolutely ended up being the better option. We were able to go at our own pace, stop when we wanted to. I could pull over, take great pictures, look at what I wanted to look at. I didn't have a bunch of strangers breathing all over me. And so being adaptable, being able to, you know, um, deal with a change of plans at the last minute 
has really made for some really incredible experiences. And it really just is a testament to not being rigid. You can loosen up and relax a little bit and you find that things end up not breaking when they're a little bit looser. Um, think of things like, oh, something as simple as spaghetti because I had spaghetti for lunch. Dry spaghetti is rigid. You bend it, it breaks. But wet spaghetti, cooked spaghetti, when you bend it, it just fucking bends. It doesn't break. Be adaptable. Be wet spaghetti, folks. Learn to go with the flow of shit and you'll end up having a much better time as if you were to just really just get stuck in your head and not be able to bend. And I think that I'm able to see that in regular life where um, plans don't go through. Or if I have a certain view of the way um, things are supposed to go, if I have an outlook or if I have a plan in motion and something goes wrong, if I send an email and I'm not getting answers, okay, does the entire project get scrapped? No, you move on, you adapt. You look for another person, you find another outlet, or you you know work on changing things and moving little pieces so that you can get to the same, if not a better input or um, output or ending, if you will. What else did I have on here? Um, preparedness. Travel has really, really, really instilled in me the ability to rely on myself. And it was done in a fashion so that I knew it to be true without question, that I am capable. So you've got the opportunity to learn that in a lot of different ways. And for me, it's ultimately been felt more so for myself. I can say that I've, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? I've, I don't want to say honored or honed, but I've really been able to accept it and understand it. Like I feel it differently. It's one thing to know something, but it's another thing to like understand it to be true. Does that make sense? It's kind of like um, that certain level of confidence that I've been able to internalize, I think is a better um, way to put it. I've been able to internalize my capability or my capableness. I don't know if capableness is a word. Is capableness a word? <laughs> he said it's not a word. My, <laughs> I want to say capableness so bad now. I've been able to really... Um, internalize that I am fucking capable because even though it's just me in a place where I don't know anybody, I don't know what the normal is. I don't know anything, but I know myself and I know what it is that I'm looking to do. I know what it is that I want to do. I know what, you know, my options are in terms of, you know, I know what my finance, I know what my money looks like and I know what my physical limitations and capabilities are and that shit. Right. But I've gone to plenty of places and had plans change at the last moment, or I've gone to plenty of places and had things not turn out the way they were advertised that they should turn out. And I've figured it out in every single instance. And so it's one of those things where like, um, somebody tells you, Oh my God, you look so pretty. Oh my God. I really like this haircut on you. Or, Oh my God, this color looks so nice. And you're just like, okay, yeah, thanks. And you just brush it off, right? But then every once in a while, 
you look in the mirror and you actually like what you see. And you're like, oh shit, that really does look nice on me. You know why? Because I like the way it looks. It's one thing for somebody else to say something to you and it's another thing when you see it for yourself. And I've been able to see how capable I am through travel. Because it's not like I've never done anything else right before. But I haven't had that experience. Well, I've had more experiences, I should absolutely say, because it'd be untrue any other way I say it. I've had more experiences where I've been able to look back and say, damn, I did that, that somehow were related to travel. At least when I think about it in the quickest form. In this moment, I can say that to be true. That is fair for myself. So between things not going right, people being weird, uh, getting lost, not speaking the language and being lost, here I am right now in this very moment in my house, in my home, safe, happy, secure, well-fed, and clothed. That means that I figured it out. I made it out. I was able to make decisions that kept me safe and I was able to make decisions that ultimately allowed for me to still have a good time even though some shit went wrong. I had um, the first time I left the country, which is actually on my four year anniversary. I left January uh, 2017. First time I was supposed to go to Martinique, that didn't work out, ended up in Bermuda. Ended up being in Bermuda off season. Because I was off season, a lot of shit that you can just like randomly book in terms of water sports and, you know, places to visit and restaurants and destinations in, in on the island were closed. Cause why am I gonna be open if I'm not gonna get that many people coming in, right? Common sense. But here I was, there, not really packed for the weather either, but you make it work with the shit that you have. Or you just buy more stuff. And I ended up pulling together and piecing together an itinerary that kept me entertained for the entire week. I ended up having experiences and meeting people and seeing so many beautiful things like on the fly, just because I ended up Googling the fuck out of the island. I just looked into what it is I thought I wanted to do. Thankfully, it's a small island. You can probably walk the entirety of the island in like a day if you were really gung-ho about it. I think it's what, like 22 miles long or maybe 22 miles wide. I don't know why that's standing out in my mind. One of y'all Google it, and I'm sure one of you will let me know if I'm right or wrong. But that being said, it's not that big of an island. And I remember being told by quite a few people, just keep walking. If you're going the wrong way, you'll hit the ocean, turn around and go the opposite way. That was the sentiment of the island, right? So that being said, I absolutely learned for the first time for that trip in a fashion that really resonated with me. Like, nah, I really got it. Because sometimes you doubt that um, your success in other situations may have always been attributed to something that you did or it wasn't necessarily aided by or facilitated by your comfortability in a destination or in a location or... Um, 
in an environment or because you know that you've got some type of security. Like you know that you can call your parents or you know that you can call your best friend or that, you know what I mean? Like you have those crutches or those um, alley-oops that are waiting in the wings to help you should you need them. But when you're traveling outside of somebody being on the phone or being on the, you know, on the line with you and, you know, calming you down or talking you through something, which has absolutely happened. I've absolutely had friends be on the phone with me like, girl, you didn't get this far to just sit in the crib. Shout out again to Sharmila. London was a drag man. It was, London was a time. That was another thing. Thanks to, you know, being on the line with my friends, it's like, hmm, I am a bad bitch. I can figure this out. No, I shouldn't sit on this bunk bed and fucking wallow because I had a really rough start to the day. I can absolutely get up and turn the day around. So sometimes you figure it out on your own. Sometimes somebody puts a little bug in your ear. But ultimately, when you're put in situations where it's you alone by yourself and you're able to see yourself out of whatever paper bag struggle you're going through, it resonates on an entirely different level. And for me, those uh, experiences have really been strongly attributed to travel. I find that I have been able to really own and um, be really proud of the different uh, situations I've been able to navigate through travel. So uh, and I had another one happen in Spain where I ended up finding at the last minute that I was like an hour outside of the city that I wanted to experience. And so you figure out ways that you're still able to enjoy the time that you have in an area. Although I wasn't able to go to uh, the actual city of Barcelona. I was staying in like Legagria or Legaria. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but I was staying about an hour outside of what we think of, what we conceptualize when we hear or say Barcelona. That being said, I ended up just taking a taxi to the little local area. It wasn't exactly exciting, but I made the best of it. I went, I ate, I saw some shit. I might've bought something. I don't know. And you just walk around, you explore and you do what you can with what you have. And it really just hits a little bit differently when you're able to do it abroad. So that when you get back home and you're in a, um, and you're in an environment or you're in a situation that is a little more familiar to you, you're much more readily able to really refer back to the strength that you feel like you were able to tap into while you were elsewhere and then do that same shit at home. It's like when things get confusing here or when things get a little bit challenging here, it's like, all right, girl, you've been able to navigate so many different places around the world or you've been able to figure out a lot of really weird shit in different places, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do this right here. So I can absolutely say to you good folks on the other end of whatever device you're watching or listening that I have absolutely grown in that sense through travel. The next thing that I wanna uh, harp on is open-mindedness. I have always been an open-minded person that's one thing that I don't really know if that is uh, able to be attributed to my parents or, well, actually, no, I think that absolutely has to do with my family in general. We have a really um, open-minded family. We are just accepting of just about everybody, you know, we ain't accepting of like murderers and terrible people. That's not what I'm getting at, but I hate the phrase all walks of life 
but I feel like that's one of those sayings that if I say it, you know what I'm talking about. We accept all walks of life. We fuck with everybody. You know what I mean? Just be a good person, period. That's the prerequisite. That's the prerequisite. Just don't be a fucking asshole. We rock with you. You know what I mean? So I've, I come from a family that's very accepting. So I think that that's translated to me in terms of just everything in general. I don't, I let people be who they are. I give grace to everybody to feel their, feel their feelings, to be in themselves and to express themselves how they feel is, um, necessary. I don't agree with everybody. Like I think Trump supporters are fucking wrong, period. Like we're just not going to agree on that, but I allow you to believe that you go ahead and believe that on, you know, in your space, on your time, but you're not going to convince me that he's a good person. That's just not how that's going to work, but you're allowed to do that. And I give you grace to, you know, I extend that to people that I disagree with, you know what I mean? But I am open-minded enough to see how someone can think or believe differently from me, but that doesn't change or affect how I feel about, uh, the things I feel strongly about. But you know, what's weird to me is normal to other people and vice versa. Like I don't eat, um, scorpions, but it's a delicacy to somebody else. Um, I don't, um, Let's, what else can I use as an example? I don't, um, no, not religion. Uh, I guess like food is the thing that's coming. I'm not going to sit here and spend 30 seconds trying to think of another example, but plenty of things that I find normal. Other people don't. Okay. You know what I find normal? Not washing my hair every fucking day, but a bunch of white girls don't get it. They're like, what? How do you, I don't get it. Like you don't wash your hair. No. Cause I don't need to. It's fucking clean. It's fine. That's just how my hair works. And so it's normal for me to not wash my hair. It's normal for black women to, if you have it say permed, or if you even have it natural, we could go a week and not wash our hair. Guess what? We're fine. It's still clean. No, I don't smell. Yes. I can still take a shower because that's how it works for us. It it's, I, I don't know if I ever told y'all the fucking story. I had a weave once. And um, it was a good ass weave. It was a really, really good weave. And I worked in a very white environment, white environment, okay? Um, And there were one, two, three, four other black women. One was younger than me. And everybody else was older than me. And by older than me, every last one of the older women was old enough to either be my mother, uh, except for one. She was probably, uh, D's probably, eh, how old am I, 35? She probably 50. Yeah, she's about uh, 15 years, maybe 15. Yeah, so I mean, technically she could be my mama, but she would have had to start early. But everybody else is old enough to be my grandmother. That's the point I'm getting at. My, my mother's age or my grandmother's age. These are the black women that I was working with. So I was like the representative of the young black woman. And the one girl that was younger than me was mixed. So our hair was a little bit different. Uh, so came in with my cute little weave. It was nice. You know, it was real cute. 
and the it was a small company so the president of the company actually had an office in uh our building and it was kind of like i said it was a small company and it was kind of like a family there may have been a total of 40 or 50 of us that worked in this building so we all knew who everybody was there's nobody coming in this building that you don't know um so the president calls me in the office which isn't a big thing it's not crazy it's not like you know oh man, the big boss called you in. No, he, he could call me in for whatever. He could ask me about work stuff or he could be asking me something uh, about a personal nature. It wasn't uh, jarring to be called into the office. And so I get in there and there are one, two, three, at least three or four white women and the president who's also white. One of the women was his wife. So get in there and they're all sitting in there. I have no clue what this is going to be in reference to. And it was about my hair. So they called me into the office to be like, yeah, we heard you got new hair. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I got, you know, it's a new hairstyle. Sweet. And they were like, it's not your hair, right? And I'm like, well, duh, no. Did I have this much hair yesterday? That's pretty sensible right like did it grow overnight and so they're so fascinated and one bitch had the absolute white ass nerve to ask me well how do you shower i promise you because it is as like I was just this level of confused when she asked me because I didn't ever think that a different hairstyle would, you know, uh, negate um, hygiene. Like, I, I didn't understand why she would even ask, but it was, I was really confused, y'all. I was confused. And it really threw me for a curve. And I was just like, same way you do. I pin my hair up and get in the shower or put on a shower cap and I, and I bathe. Like, I don't, I don't get it. And then the, the president's wife is like now up and on her feet and walking towards me. Can I touch it? And before I even answered her hand, her hand is in my hair and she's touching it and she's, Oh wow. It looks so good. Well, yeah. Cause I paid for it to look good. Why would I pay to get my hair done and it not look good? Like that's, do you pay to get your hair done and it don't look good? Like, Girl, what we doing? And it's like, uh, I know why girls be wearing clippings and extensions and shit like that. So the idea of having short hair one day and long hair the other day isn't, you know, one, it's not new. And two, it's not just a black girl thing. Three, y'all don't know no black people? You don't have black friends? Your kids don't have black friends? Like they don't do different things with their hair? I, it was the most uncomfortable I have ever, I had ever been at that time. Um, pretty sure... I don't know if anything's ever topped that, but that was the most uncomfortable I'd ever been. In a, and I was at work, mind you. This wasn't like at a friend's house and like her mom had some friends over there or her dad came home and was like, whoa, hey girl, uh, haven't seen this before. What's going on? My boss called me into the office for his wife and the other white girls, and they're all mostly white, but and a whole bunch of other of these grown ass women to ask me, about my hair to inspect it like I was a an exhibit 
And then to question my hygiene and ask how I bathed because I now had uh, longer hair. Threw me for a fucking loop, y'all. And so, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know why it happened, but it did. And so like what's normal for one is not necessarily normal for somebody else. And that was just a little tangent that I went on there. So going back to open-mindedness, open fucking mindedness. And that was very lacking in that moment. And I don't know why they were so comfortable having me be the uh, delegate for all black hair explanations, but you know, I mean, I guess they figured since I was there, why not use me, right? But um, simple things like that show a lack of cultural sensitivity, if you will. And that's one of the other things that I've been able to um, really hone in and develop. I don't know if it's, I don't say a natural trait, or I don't know if it is necessarily something that is a little bit more ingrained in black and brown culture, just because we're not predominantly what is showcased in media. We're not what is the, we're not the norm for things, if you will. Like we are not um, always put as what the primary or the, um, not the, that's not the word I'm looking for. Um, I don't wanna say we're not the prototype because first of all, we are, but we're not always what's made visible, right? So for us, we are very naturally aware of this is the way we do some things and then other people do other things. Whereas when you are the norm, when you're um, when people that look like you and do things the same way that you do are considered the standard or when they're considered baseline, when they're considered normal, it becomes a little bit more jarring for you when you may not be as used to seeing people do things differently. So I don't know if that's necessarily something that is just um, innate to black and brown people, but I, I think that it may be a little easier for us to internalize people doing things differently because we've always seen um, things done differently in terms of what is uh, presented to us in media, through magazines, through books, through stories, and just, you know, in experiences that we have. So that being said, even when you're traveling, keep in mind, you're going to see some gross shit, especially depending on where you're going. If you're going to um, developing countries where, say, uh, plumbing isn't the same or normal uh, electricity or, you know, places where electricity goes out often, things that are second nature to you aren't second nature to everybody. So I know like some of the grossest um, bathroom conditions I've ever seen have, I mean, well, the grossest bathroom I think anywhere in the world I've seen was at a gas station in Brooklyn. But outside of that hellhole, um, you know, you see bathrooms are like just holes in the ground or like not just holes in the ground, like somebody dug a hole, but 
like a damn what was the one there was one in Colombia that was it was really far out it was at um the if you've been to that volcano like the the natural mud one I talked about that in my happy endings uh episode go back to I want to say it's within the first 20 give or take maybe 35 I don't know but it was in the first I think the first year or so of the podcast that was a time you can enjoy that episode you're welcome um but I know that since it was so far out it was likely difficult to get plumbing the same way it was in other areas in that particular region so there was really just like an outhouse and it was gross as fuck uh also in bali when i was going up to like gates of heaven again i do not remember how to pronounce it um it's i guess proper name but even in that area these are areas where you know honestly i'd have been more pleased just finding a tree honestly but they have structures and it's not that it's plumbing but they had it set up to a way where i there was like a thing of water next to what the what was the toilet and i don't even understand how it worked i thought i did and i figured all right well i just take the bucket of this water and i pour it in the space where you you know go to the bathroom and it Maybe we'll just rinse it down. I don't know. Probably didn't do it right. But yeah, they were gross to me. But you keep it to yourself. You're not home. This ain't your block. This is not going to work the same way. You know what I mean? So some things are gross to you, but be respectful. Know that these are the conditions that people are dealing with every day, perhaps. Or this is what they have to, these are the conditions that they work in because they commute or they travel to these areas to be able to provide services to you as a tourist. So if that's the case, watch your fucking mouth. There's no need to be like, oh my God, this is so nasty. Oh my God. Oh, it smells terrible. It's, that's really rude. That's like going to somebody's house and be like, oh shit, your place looks like trash. It's like, all right, but you, I just prepared this meal for you or I am welcoming you into my home, I'm doing you a service, there's no reason for you to be nasty to somebody that's opening their arm, not opening their arms literally, sometimes, but someone that's doing something or providing a service to you and being pleasant to you, there's no reason to shit on what they gotta deal with, you know? So it just basically reinforces the tact that your mama tried to teach you. I know my mama did. And I try to carry that with me everywhere I go. It's kind of like when I spoke with Denise a couple episodes ago, she was just like, I move like I'm somebody's daughter. So keep that same energy. Act like you were raised. You know what I mean? If you go someplace and you see something that's a little jarring, but it's actually normal for the people that are there. Also, sometimes maybe do a little bit of Google before you get there. Maybe do something like... um, I don't know, something like weird cultural norms or jarring cultural norms or just try to look into things in advance so that maybe you're not as shocked when you get to this destination so that you don't have to bite your tongue and not be rude or, you know, I guess abrasive in your tone or delivery when you are dealing with people in situations that you may not really be used to. Uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. Also, it's a reminder that a lot of times, 
shit ain't about you. I'm looking over my notes here. Reinforces the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Some cultures are very group focused and other cultures, more so like American culture, are very unit focused. It's very okay here. It's not okay, but it's very normal here to be me, me, me. You know, you put yourself first. In a lot of other places, it's how can the community benefit? What does the community need? And if you find yourself in a situation where you see everybody is doing things in a fashion that makes it easy for everyone to deal, don't be that one person. Don't be the outlier and the asshole that's just like, all right, well, I want to go here and this is where I want to be or this is where I want to sit and what I want to do. Go with the fucking flow. If you're on a road and everybody's going 65, 70, unless there's something wrong and you're in duress or you're in, you're in a really unsafe situation, you're not going to go 40. It's just not what you're going to do. You know what I mean? So go with the flow. Go with the flow of traffic. It um, also gives you so many opportunities. Being open-minded gives you so many opportunities to try new things. And the more new shit you try, the more, um, more into it you are. It doesn't really make sense in hindsight now that I'm reading it, but I got here in the notes, gives you so many opportunities to try something new. The more new shit you try, the more into it you are. Oh, the more into trying new things that you actually are. That's what, okay, now it makes sense. Um, Sorry about that. You, not you, but I, when I turned, I had a quarter life crisis and I was so stressed about turning 25. Like I was really on some, oh my God, they said I'm going to get fat by now and I'm just going to be, um, also there's nothing wrong being fat, but I was always like underweight. I've always been like really small. And so they're like, oh, you keep eating like that. You're going to be big as a house and oh, you keep doing this. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's going to, I'm going to be unhealthy. And then if I'm unhealthy, then if I want kids one day, then I, it's not, it's not going to be easy to have kids because now I'm unhealthy and I have to worry about my sugar or my cholesterol. I was stressed y'all fucking stressed. And 25 was just like a time. And I'll never forget, I decided like a month before my birthday to just do something new every day leading up to my birthday. And it was one of the most eye-opening experiences. It was really something that I am proud of and also made me a better person. It gave me the opportunity to get outside of my head and also challenge the preconceived ideas and notions. It got me out of the stress of what could possibly go wrong and really kind of had me looking into what could absolutely go right. Being able to do so many new and different and exciting and adventurous things while I'm traveling is always such an amazing reminder of how much more world there absolutely is. And whenever I kind of feel like, damn, what have I accomplished? Or, oh man, this is going to be, you know, I don't want to put money aside for this, or I don't want to save that. And, you know, it just plenty of different little things come up in everyday life that kind of give you pause. But then I remember, oh wait, I was actually, I actually surfed, you know? I didn't do great at it, but I've been surfing. Or I've climbed a fucking mountain. I've climbed an active volcano. I've been at the top of, you know, um, I've seen the steam that comes out of volcanoes because it's actually active. Or I've gone zip lining. I've done skydiving. I've done, like when I think back on a lot of the things 
that I've been able to accomplish on my travels. And when I think back of, when I think back on like cliff diving and um, snorkeling for the first time, which snorkeling has always given me pause. Like I've never been good at snorkeling. It's apparently is simple enough for a kid to do, but yeah, I struggle. But that being said, all these new opportunities that I've been able to experience while I was abroad has always given me an opportunity or a a view of just there being so much in the world available to me that there's so many options and there's so much more to explore and to see and to feel and to experience. And knowing that gives me like a real sense of just, how do I put it? Like a, a sense of anticipation for what's to come as opposed to being afraid of what's on the other side of 25 or 35 at this point. Um, there's just so many, I've been able to see that new things and just being open-minded to the experience or to the, to the feelings or to the, um, I don't want to say side effects or repercussions, but to be able to see what's on the other side of fear has, I got to, I don't want to say giving me a new lease on life. That sounds dramatic, but it makes the unknown much more bearable. And I tend to be one of those people that fears the unknown. That's what really terrifies me about open water is that it, I don't know what the fuck is on underneath. I don't know what's going on out there. And it drives me insane. And that is one of the, the, I think, more reasonable fears that I have in travel. But I never let it stop me. I still jump into the middle of the ocean when, you know, the experience calls for it. And I swim with fucking sea lions, like in the middle of the, the ocean in Peru. You know what I mean? And it's not something that I don't want to say it's not something that I take lightly, but because it's not like it's a serious matter or anything crazy like that, but I take it in a, I'm a fucking badass. I've done tons of shit that I'm afraid of. And when I'm able to look at new experiences, like, okay, well think about all the other wild shit I've done or think about all the other really scary things that I've been able to get through and, you know, um, not circumvent, but uh, when I think of all the other things that scared me at one point or the things I thought were going to really be hard or the things that were really hard and I completed them or I was able to overcome them and tackle them and like really come out better and like have fun doing them. It's like there's no reason for me to ever believe that one, I'm not capable or two, that there isn't something that I can get from every experience or that there isn't something that I can learn from doing something that's a challenge. So, oh, that's another one, like challenges. It's like the things that I've been able to tackle through my travels have absolutely given me a sense of, um, I don't want to say fearlessness because I do move in fear, um, but you don't let fear stop you is the point. But it's given me a sense of ability and, you know, just like it could all go so well if you just give it a shot. So 
Y'all, there are, I will never get tired of reinforcing every week for you guys that travel is more than vacation. There's so much more to travel than just, you know, going to the beach and relaxing or going swimming at the pool or, you know, going to, you know, really nice restaurants and different places, which is all really great. Don't take that to be me saying that that's whack or that's basic or anything like that. That's not what my point is. But vacation isn't just about the destination. It gets to be about what you bring back with you. It gets to be about how you experience yourself when you're in these places. And every week I sit here and either by myself or with guests, you know, really get into how much more enriching our lives are or how different we are and how we experience ourselves because of the adventures that we've had while traveling. And even though we're not able to really move as freely or, you know, move with the comfort that we would like to right now with COVID being, you know, the way it is, I am sad about travel and I miss it, but I absolutely love that I can still really um, have all these travel conversations and, you know, look at travel from a different lens as opposed to it always being about being on a plane and being in pictures and taking great photos and that's all well and fine and it's fun, but it's not the only part. It's not all there is. And I will forever, this is the hill I am going to climb and God willing not die on, but this my hill. <laughs> Travel is more than vacation. So happy you guys have been here with me to listen to me talking about all of that. Glad that you stuck around through the whole thing. I hope that you come back next week. If you haven't already, leave a review for the podcast on whatever platform you listen to and sign up for the mailing list. You can do all that by going to travelandshippodcast.com. There's merch. If you're watching on the YouTubes, I got one of my favorite hoodies on. And um, I can't wait to see you all next week and see what the fuck I'm talking about then. All right, guys. Bye.